I really want to thank Miro, one of the most useful tools. They sponsor this podcast. They are my go-to resource when it comes to working remotely and collaborating. They're also great for an office, but let me paint a picture for you. Everyone here is working from home in some capacity. Either we have peers that work from home, maybe we're part in the office, part out. Collaboration can be chaotic. Miro is the ultimate digital whiteboard and visual collaboration platform. You could be a remote team, you could be a creative agency, you could be a solopreneur. Miro allows you to brainstorm, plan, and execute seamlessly. Picture this, you're in a virtual meeting mapping out a huge project with Miro. You can drag and drop sticky notes, sketch wireframes, organize ideas all in real time. You collaborate with your team no matter where they are. This is a game changer. If you are ready to transform your workflow, you have to try Miro today. To show you how powerful it is, I created my own Miro board that you can check out at Miro.com slash success pod. It has a ton of resources for entrepreneurs, but it will also show you all the functionality of Miro. So go to Miro.com or go to Miro.com slash success pod for a ton of resources. Try Miro today. It's going to radically change how you collaborate with your team. The only podcast you need for your business. Let's do this. Welcome to the Sales versus Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Scott. Join me as we explore and demystify the latest trends, technologies, and strategies used to achieve massive growth and 10x businesses. I'll be sitting down with sales, marketing, and business leaders to dissect what's worked for them, dispel myths, and deliver actionable insights that you can use to ensure repeatable, sustainable, and predictable revenue in your business. Welcome to Sales versus Marketing. I'm your host, Scott, and today I'm very excited to be sitting down with John Riley III. He is the VP of Business Services at Orion, and Orion is a software company focusing on both traditional software as well as emerging technology. They play in the blockchain, IoT, uh, AI, and machine learning space. So that's very exciting. So uh, John's responsibility at Orion is uh, sales and marketing. So that's what VP Business Services does at Orion. Uh, he has uh, he has uh, an extensive career uh, coming from the military. Uh, John transitioned into uh, various sales roles, enterprise sales roles at Oracle and SAP uh, before eventually landing in uh, the role of VP of Business Services at Orion. Um, I'm going to let uh, I'm going to let John tell his story. Uh, but right now, uh, Orion, just to give a little bit of context, they're uh, a firm that's been around since uh, 2012 with a significant amount of software industry experience, and they have recently uh, expanded their service and product offering to include emerging technologies. Um, so they're not new in terms of the their business and uh, and how long they've been around and serving customers, uh, but they are making a very smart addition to their core skill set and core competency uh, by including the ability to build out these new disruptive and emerging technologies uh, for both small business and all the way up to enterprise. Uh, And obviously, I'm going to let John speak a little bit more about that as well. So thanks again, John, uh, for joining us. It's great to sit down and, and chat with you. I was very excited after taking a look at you know at what you do uh, in in the emerging tech space. Uh, that's something that I'm a huge a huge proponent and fan and evangelist for. Uh, as before I I do what I do now, um, I was doing some consulting with emerging tech companies, so I get how exciting it is. But anyways, give us a little bit of an introduction. Um, who are you and and what are you doing right now? I'm really the, the VP of business services now, so. Um, been there just over nine months now, um, primarily helping one, the company scale, um, align with new partners, new net new, um, customers as well. But I mean, and because of that company has been in place since 2000 and 2008, no, 2012, I'm sorry. Okay. So the founder of the company has been in the software industry for 30 years. 
Um, most or almost all of our clients over those years have been from referrals. So we've never really had to go out and proactively market, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, we have just over. Makes your job 15. easy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Absolutely. But now as we're looking at scaling, now here comes the let's change the branding. Let's, you know, what's our new branding going to look like? Um, how do we want to go to market with it? How do we want to do our sales approach with it? Um, of course, you know, leveraging that existing relationship, you know, all from referrals is always key. But how do you scale if it's just that? So that's kind of where I'm teamed up with Mark Aslan, who's the founder of the company. Um, we both were in the blockchain space. That's how we're going to get together. Um, you know, and it's kind of been going from there. Matter of fact, you know, and we have just over 150 developers that we work with overseas that we've been that have been a part of Orion probably for the past 10 years. So, so you, so you started. Um, so, so this company was started 2012. You started more recently, obviously, after you connected with the, yes. the founder CEO. Um, so. Is it so Orion is this is a company yes. that originally started and have they just sort of shifted from different software development? Uh, I guess like the most like have they changed their product rather or their their service offering as as the technology landscape has evolved over the years? Is that kind of what's led them to where they are today? Yeah, I think you just nailed it right there because, you know, in this space, you have to pivot. And if you don't pivot and the timing of it in this emerging tech space of blockchain, AI, and all the IoT, and all these things are going on, you have to be up to speed on it as fast as possible. So what was happening is three years ago, customers were reaching out to them, hey, I want blockchain. So they're like, all right, we need to get speed on blockchain. And as things were going, they were like, all right, we're starting to get a lot more requests on blockchain. And it wasn't their focus because they don't lead as a blockchain company, and we don't. It's more in the lines of, let's dig down, and you've done consulting as well. Let's see what your business process and your problems are and see if blockchain is a fit. If it's not a fit, then let's figure out what the right solution is going to be. So from that standpoint, we haven't changed the model of how we go to market with that strategy. It's just that blockchain is at the forefront of so many and so much interest that we have to go, okay, we've done, we're doing a lot of blockchain projects. Let's go where the demand is. It's not saying, hey, we're a blockchain company. We just have the skill set around it. Very cool. So when when you have all these customers coming to you um, that are very, like you, you are proficient in the blockchain space, which has allowed, these, allowed you to take on some of these customers. How do you, in such a you know a hot market, uh, kind of like you would have probably had to deal with in the dot com? How do you source through the good clients versus the bad clients, the ones that you actually want to bring into your business to help Orion grow, to keep like the Orion name as a as a yeah. strong name, a strong provider, and sort of get rid yeah. of all the all the bullshit, really? And that's the thing, and I think is you know you have the background blocks as well. It's sifting through and qualifying as fast as possible. It's qualifying the people you want to partner with as fast as possible. So when they start saying, oh, we're doing blockchain, this and that, we know this. But once you start getting down in the weeds and asking these questions and you're seeing that they don't have that kind of tangible background to it, then you go, okay, well, hey, thanks. It's nice talking to you. But even with clients of, you know, hey, we want to do a blockchain project. And we're like, well, why? Why do you need blockchain? How much do you know about it? You know, you want to go with the people that have at least done, I say, five minutes of Google research on it. To know, okay, okay, this is what's going on in the industry, not just, hey, we need blockchain. And you're like, okay, well, do you know these things are going to change? Do you know your business process is going to change? Do you know, you know, your go-to-market strategy is going to change? Well, we haven't thought about that. Like, well, it's not, di- it's different from other technologies where, oh, let's install it, we'll figure it out, or do shadow IT on the side of it, and we'll figure it out. Blockchain is not that, so... Do you do you find um, a lot of the clients that you're selling to are entrepreneurial early stage, or do you find that you have enterprise type companies that are looking to integrate? Like, what's your what's your target your target client? It, it ranges. We work with enterprise companies. We're you know a few projects right now in enterprise size companies, but because we have the entrepreneur side of us, we like to work with startups. But there's a caveat to that. There's a requirement, you know. A lot of them want to come to you like, hey, can you build this product and we'll give you equity or like that? Or, you know, the ones that are still doing tokens, yeah. oh, we'll give you tokens. And we're like, no, no, either you give us fiat and if it's successful, we'll look at maybe taking equity. And setting that standard in place allows us to sift through or push out the people that are just coming at us as entrepreneurs or yeah. the ones that are serious. We got funding. We want to give you this to build our MVP for us. Okay, that's not a problem. We'll do that. That's funny. Um, entrepreneurs, uh, they're, they're like, they're such dreamers, but it's like, you know, you have to, as a business, you like, you get excited about some of these projects, but you really have to, you know, you have to almost like 
tell people to simmer down and think through their process because I'm sure like if they're trying to build up their business, you're probably one of the first people they go to before they are even pitching to investors or validating yeah. like their business concept with like friends and family. Um, so they're going to you and then you're the one who has to sort of be like, hey, listen, well, slow your roll. Like, uh, <laughs> that's very, very cool. Very much. That's an exciting it's space to be in, man. It's, it's a crazy space to be in, but it's exciting. It, absolutely. And, you know, and now it's the past three years and you're in a place, this blockchain, I tell people, no, before blockchain used to move, move at a fast snail's pace. But when you're in it, I mean, it's every week you're like, what happened? What, who just did an update? And I look at last year at this time in 2018, you know, blockchain just made it through parts of the, the, the crypto winter and night and but at the end of the year, there were so many enterprise companies that got in the blockchain where I was like, wow, yeah, it moved faster than I thought. And, you know, now you have all these, you know, protocols out there that people are like, well, what's going to be the problem? And you're like, okay, what's going on? And it's hard if you're not how do you keep up? How do you keep, how do you, how do you properly, like, how do you even forecast? Like traditional business practice, how do you forecast? How do you, how do you manage your pipeline when, when every single day there's a new tech coming out, a new protocol coming out? You have companies uh -huh. like IBM uh, that are involved in the space. You have like all these major enterprise. I know there's a whole bunch of enterprise companies yeah. that are involved. So how do you, how do you even you know maintain a sensible business practice like that? It's it's really making sure the education, the preparedness is up front of anybody's getting into it. Going, hey, you could be looking at quarter today. But you know what? Here, you might want to switch to Ethereum. You might want to switch to Hyperledger, Fabric, depending on what you're doing. And be preparing them because the mentality, I mean, I, my background is to work for Oracle for a number of years in SAP. So I was in consulting services, education service. So that old mentality of, hey, we'll buy it, install it, and we'll wait until version 2.0 comes out. Blockchain, you can be like, okay, what just happened? Okay, I need to switch. So setting your systems up to unplug and then plug into something else is going to be ideal to change that mindset is the hardest thing to prepare people for. So we look at the pipeline saying, Hey, we want to probably want to start this project now, but are we up to date on what's coming down the pipe mm -hmm. and preparing for our clients are saying, Hey, we're starting this here, but we know what we've been hearing the noise around this. So it might be better to move this because it provides more value in your vertical, whatever industry you're in. So, so, what, what I'm hearing, and correct me if I'm wrong, but what you're saying is even though you're in a, in a fast-moving environment, the way that you're educating your customers and helping them understand the industry as a whole, which is, I, in my opinion, a best practice for a marketer or a business to try and grow, you're yeah. still, it's still the same thing. It doesn't doesn't change. Yeah. You're still top. You know, you're forefront of education. Uh, you're keeping people informed, and you're like that subject matter expert. So when they go to you, obviously you provide the service. Um, but mm -hmm. the the most important thing you do is keep them educated uh, and sort of just in line with the way the industry is going because they may not know and they may not have a concept um, compared to everything else they've known before in terms of traditional like SaaS products or or technology yeah. products. Okay, very cool. I, yeah, and I think you nailed it with that because you know that. Now you see digital transformation come into play so much more. And even, I mean, I've, I've had the great opportunity to speak at different conferences, run a couple of blockchain meetup groups, and having a background consulting services, digital transformation used to be kind of a buzzword, but now it's really relevant yeah. because you have these different techs and you look at digital transformation, people think it's just about technology. No, it's a mindset and a culture change that when you get executives into it, they're like, well, we want this. Like, no, 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 you need to change how you're going to market you know, your strategic roadmap is going to change. Are you yeah. prepared to get your people up to speed? And it's a different thing. And that's where it's hard for people to grasp when it comes to blockchain. They're like, well, it's just like technology. You're like, no, it's it's not. It's more 80% business, 20% technology. Yeah. And I remember, you know, reading my first article by Deloitte Consulting when he said that. And that's when, that's when it resonated with me. Like, wow, it's more the business side changing. Yeah, IT needs to handle the technical side. But that business side is going to be disrupted. And they talk about, here's the change. And I'm like, all right, I see it. So That whole workflow from when you, like throughout your entire business, like even even down to like, so you have your sales, your marketing, your finance, your customer success, every way you interact with your customer, if you're implementing a new technology, it impacts like external, but it's yeah. massive, massive disruption internally. So it's not just like you just bought a new piece of software, you implement it, you set it, forget it. Like it's, it's uh it's, it's more invasive. It, it permeates the business more than that when it's so disruptive. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. And it's, it's that's where a lot of people, you know, executives, especially the C-level suite, have the hard time grasping that. They just want to buy it, tell my guys to put it in, we'll learn about it on the way we go. Even yeah. when I sort for work, they buy stuff, okay, I'm like, well, you need to get you. No, well, don't worry, our, our guys are smart. I'm like, no, this is your responsibility now. This is different because 
if you're not the forefront leading the change with it, how are you going to get everybody else to follow along saying, hey, we need to change our governance models now. How do we do that with blockchain? People are still trying to figure that out. Yeah. So just that preparedness right there is key. So, and I tell people, you know, hey, yeah, you want blockchain, but are you prepared to go through what's going to be needed? You know, if it's not some exchange or tokenization or something like that, and it's enterprise-wide that you're changing, you know, the strategic roadmap and HR and supply chain. Yeah. You know, you look at Walmart where they got into it in 2016. By last year, they're mandating companies to be on it. And I was like, okay, you know, yeah. if you were one of those companies that wasn't prepared, what were you going to do? I like to think that Walmart gave them a heads up. But at the end of the day, that's where the disruption comes. So how did you, okay, so let's, so that's great. So people that are obviously listening, they kind of know what blockchain is. You went into some topics that some people are listening, have no clue what they are, but like high level, like it's very disruptive. Um, it, there's so many use cases for it. So to put it in perspective, it's a technology that isn't just pigeonholed into one particular business unit. Like it's not just sales or it's not just supply yeah. chain or it's not just uh, accounting and finance. Like there's so many different use cases. It's it's just infrastructure. It's like replacing your entire yes. core business infrastructure. Um, and there's been good, there's been bad, it's been messy. It's been, you know, it's been all over the place in terms of the industry. Yeah. Um, so that's, so that's really cool. It's a really, I, I, I think it's a very cool space to play in and I've worked with blockchain companies before, but just to uh, keep it more, to more generalized, yeah. um, how did you find yourself? You, you worked for Oracle, so obviously you're a tech guy. Um, so what's your, what's your background? Like, how did you get into this? Cause it's not something that everybody just falls into, right? <laughs> it's no, it's funny, you know, you know working in an Oracle app and software application spaces, you know, it, you get a mindset. Okay, this is what it's do. We got these versions. Here's the newest, newest tool. Here's a new widget. I came up with blockchain by chance. And um, I was in an airport reading a Feedly story. I said, blockchain's unhackable. It's going to change the world. And I was like, nothing's unhackable. But as I got into it and I started reading it, I was like, wow, that's different. And I started asking engineers I work with, and none of them said, oh, I'm not to speed on that. And that's what interests me. I'm like, okay, I'm a sales guy. So if you don't know about it, I want to know what this stuff really is now. And I got into it. I read um, the book Blockchain Revolution by Don, Ta Don and Alex Tapscott. And yeah, yeah. they put it in such an easy way for me to understand from a business side of it wasn't going into the details and technical side of hash times and all these things. It was like, here's the business impact. Here's how it's going to change governments and social good. And I was like, okay. And I started getting excited about it. And what got me was I started reaching out to people on LinkedIn, kind of like how we connected globally. So then I was reaching out to people in Singapore and in Sweden and in Italy. And I was always asking them, can we have a call? Tell me what you're doing blockchain. And I'd always get a different story. And that's when I was like, everybody sees value in it in different ways. Like you said, use cases. There's different use cases depending on where people see the value. And I was like, wow, this is not just business. It's even social good for people to have access to banks and be able to you know, land rights and property rights you can store in this immutable database or ledger where people if they aren't familiar with it. And I was like, okay, this is different and it's evolving. And honestly, I thought I was late to the game when I got into it. And people are like, no, 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 you're really, really early. So, and that kind of, I, I say it, I went in the blockchain rabbit hole um, up to a two, three in the morning throughout the week. My wife's asking me what I'm doing. <laughs> and I was just like, I'm, I'm studying it. She's like, really? It's two in the morning. But it, it kind of got me. And being in the space, I was like, okay, this is great. But as time has gone on the past three years, you see how it's changed. So you yeah. have to understand how do you pivot saying, yeah, that's a great technology. I'm still other ones out there like AI and machine learning that I'm involved with now. But now I'll say, okay, I have a great understanding of this. I'm not, I, I, I have a hard time calling myself an expert. I say I'm really proficient in understanding blockchain enterprise-wide. Um, yeah, there's some people out there that I would consider experts. But like I said, you have to be in it every single day, and it's impossible to learn to know everything about blockchain. So talking to people like you and other people is how I even educate myself as well. So you're you're a sales guy by by nature. Um, what makes you think, okay, this is an emerging technology? Um, I know that I can sell. I've worked for some tech companies. I wanna I wanna pivot my career and work in such a disruptive space. Um, knowing that it changes like that's such a a risky for a lot of people a risky career move right yeah <laughs> it, it, it was and and it's kind of you know it was i finally i think i found a technology that i was passionate about i think that's what it got me that i, I saw a bigger vision done 
oh, it's just your back office changes just for HR or your CFO's organization. This is impacting so many different things in the world at a global level. That's what I like. A global technology that when I spoke, spoke with people like, wow, I can even look at different areas to be in. It's not just that I have to just focus on supply chain with this. I have to focus on finance with this. Yeah. I can have a conversation and go in any different direction and still not feel like, hey, I'm not even fully up to speed on it. And I like that because then you're not complacent. Mm-hmm. So when you become complacent, it's so easy to go, oh, yeah, I know about that stuff. And I'll wait the next version comes out and I'll take a certification. This is like you have to stay on your toes with it. Yeah. Um, but it comes with price because you do, I call it, you do get blocks from burnout. So you can definitely talk about it way too much and get to the point of, okay, I don't want to answer another question about it. But knowing how to navigate that, to me, it was the exciting part of it. Um, that risk you talk about becoming an entrepreneur, um, just before I came over here to Orion, that's what made me do my consulting advisory company because I wanted to help people get started, how to prepare for it. And that was a risk. So jumping jumping off that ledge into kind of that abyss of, okay, I'll take this risk. But I knew it was going to be something that was, it's emerging. So like being early for the internet. And I tell people, if you were around then, you know, hindsight 2020, would you invest in, in Amazon when it was $15? And it was, you know, 2001. And I'm like, this is what you need to prepare because you don't know how impactful it's going to be from a business standpoint for what you could do for your organization if you kind of take a, a visionary approach to it. And that's the hardest thing with it. You know, you have to take a big vision approach with it. Yeah, that's, listen, honestly, man, I can, I, I, I think it's amazing that you, that you took this leap and that you're, you know, it's a, it's a certain type of personality. I find somebody that actually enjoys that risk and, and the opportunity to learn. So it's definitely, um, it's definitely something that not a lot of, not everybody has. But obviously, somebody yeah. who can exceed and excel in this kind of environment, in this in this kind of industry, um, you need yeah. to have it for sure. Uh, so, you, like, if I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm just looking, you know, on you used to be in the army. Is that is that correct? Is that where you came from? The Marines. Yeah. Do you think that? Do you think that that led to? Um, uh, like was that a personality type jumping from uh, the Marines um, and, and massive respect for doing that. Uh, so thank you. But moving from the Marines and being able to jump into a tech job, um, is that the same kind of jump that you had to make when you moved into into blockchain? <laughs> Honestly, it's it kind of prepares you because, you know, in the Marines and military, you know, you have to prepare for the unknown. You have to have that certain, what I call, you know, fortitude. You have to have that mental toughness to, it's going to be a grind. It's going to be hard, prepare for the unknown, be able to push through it, suck it up, because it's not going to be easy. That frame of mind definitely helped out going into the tech space, because it was something I'd never done before. I mean, like, I got out of the Marines, I thought I was going to be a cop. And life just throws you a curveball, and it didn't work out that way. And as I got, a recruiter was like, hey, what do you know about software? I'm like, nothing, but... My mentality was, you know, military and Marines, like, you teach them how to do it, I'll learn it. So yeah. I said, if you give me on-the-job training, got hired and wound up selling past a lot of people I was working with that had been there for a while. And it was like, okay, once I get the speed of it, that's fine. That helped me going, okay, what else can I be a part of? Yeah. And as I got older and kind of got an Oracle and knowing that space going, okay, this is new and emerging. And if these other companies or enterprise companies are already on board. That's telling me their R&D departments had already done a ton of research on it. So it's not going anywhere. And despite, you know, people understanding what Bitcoin, the difference between Bitcoin and blockchain was, once you understand that, you go, wow, I know what the value is. That's what my focus is going to be. And the funny thing was, I learned about blockchain before I learned about Bitcoin. So for yeah. me, yeah. it was easier to, to really grasp what it could do because I learned about block Bitcoin second going, okay, now I see. Yeah, they're tied together, but my passion was already with blockchain. Because now you understand that's that's just one use case of the tech, and so if you and I think a lot of people, because of you know mainstream media, learn about it the opposite way. So I I I don't know who 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 this is a quote from, but it's something like blockchain is is only famous because of Bitcoin, or blockchain is only known because of Bitcoin, and and the the real way that you should learn about it is understand the technology, and then you understand Mm -hmm. Bitcoin is just one uh, use case of it. 
Um, but that's really cool. Yeah. No, I, I saw that you were military and I, I just wanted to ask because I always like talking to, to military guys because they always have a really cool story because you went from you went from military right into Oracle. And, you know, that's it's just very, you know, very cool. It's funny. There was a little gap between the Marines and Oracle. So I went from the military to working at a bank okay. for like four years. So then I went to Oracle, and, which was helpful, you know, because for me, the banking was like the military. Because yeah. It's very, very rigid and corporate and like, so we fit right in. Um, anybody was in the military there. But then I, I realized it was too, I was like, okay, it's too stiff for me. I want to be more sales. I want to have more, yeah. like you're talking about being more comfortable. So I got into sales and then software sales was great. One, I love to travel. Two, it was like, okay, I can learn something new and I can need to push myself outside of what I thought I could do before. So I find a lot of people who get into sales, they don't do it intentionally. And there's not really, um, there's not really like a, like I think now there is some schools that teach sales. But yeah. if you look at all the different business units, like you look at finance, accounting, you look at marketing, um, yeah. you look at HR, there's all these courses and certifications where sales, you just, a lot of people are, just do it and, and they kind of learn as they go, right? So that's, that's what, but yeah. it's, yeah. And that's the nice thing about sales because sales evolves. You know, you yeah. look at sales techniques from just three years ago and what they thought would work then is not totally different. You add in social media, you add in these different avenues to reach out to people to present yourself. Yeah. And it has to be done a different way because, you know, you have to evolve. You can't be like, hey, you want to buy my stuff? No. You want to buy my stuff? No. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's different. So, um, so you talked about uh, Orion was it was a major player and it was getting a lot of referral business, but now you're yep. trying to grow it. So walk, walk, walk us through sort of like the strategy. So if it's like a marketing strategy or a sales strategy that you're trying to build out the presence of Orion, uh, you know, do some biz dev, reach out to new clients. What's, and are you sort of leading that right now with, I guess the founder? Yeah, well, I'm leading that initiative right there is really coming with the marketing strategy, the sales strategy approach, um, the partner alignment is also very key, especially in the space of consulting and especially just in the blockchain space of teaming up with the right people. You know, if, you know, people that are unfamiliar with blockchain, you, you'll hear of consortiums and they always say blockchain is a team sport because there's no way you can tackle it by yourself. But if you team up with the right people, that's also one being tasked with finding the right per partners to team up with. But then when you look at the sales strategy, the marketing strategy, it's like, okay, now we're going through rebranding. You know, we're rebranding the website and our logos and everything. And then our even our messaging is going to be different. So that is another stage of, okay, we were doing this for a long time. Now we need to know we need to change and shift gears. If we want more business, then we need to show that we have this experience. We've done. I want to take a second and thank Indeed. They're a huge sponsor of the Success Story podcast. And as business leaders, we're all driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. It's to match with Indeed. Now, if you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. You need to ditch the busy work. You need to use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster, all the tools you need are in one spot. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clary. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clary right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clary. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite. Now, as a business owner, I always remember when my company hits a growth spurt. It's great, but then you realize that things start to break. Things are taking three times as long. Manual processes start to bury your team in paperwork and admin, and you really don't have one reliable source of data or truth to understand how healthy your business is. If this sounds familiar, you have to know three numbers. 37,000, that's how many businesses have upgraded to NetSuite, the number one cloud financial system. 25, NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years streamlining accounting, inventory, HR, and more for growing companies. And one, because your business truly is one of a kind, 
NetSuite gives you customized solutions so you can manage everything about your business in one place from inventory to invoicing, one powerfully efficient system. I love having all of my data in one spot. NetSuite allows me to do that. It gives me the big picture so I can make smarter decisions and they turn complex financials into understandable actionable insights. Right now you can get NetSuite's popular KPI checklist for free to help improve your business. It's designed to help you boost performance across key areas of your business. Go to netsuite.com slash Clary to download the checklist and see how one complete system can transform your growth. That's netsuite.com slash Clary. Get more control in your business with NetSuite. Just a quick question. Have you ever had one of those oh no moments when you realize that you accidentally deleted a huge file or worse, your whole computer dies? I know I have. It's happened to me a lot, but don't sweat it. The sponsor of today's episode, Backblaze, they have your back. It is unlimited backups for all your Macs, your PCs, or even your whole company. And it's really affordable, under a hundred bucks a year. If you're running a business, they take the stress out of protecting everyone's data. If you need more bells and whistles for compliance, so on and so forth, they have enterprise options too. Honestly, losing data sucks, but Backblaze makes getting it back easy. They have restored billions of files. They offer tons of restore options, including rapid recovery in an event of data loss or ransomware. And you can access your backed up data from everywhere and anywhere in the world using their web app, iOS, or Android apps. It's been recommended by the New York Times, Inc., Macworld, PC World, LifeWire, Wired, Tom's Guide, 9to5Mac, and tons more. And best, you can try it fully featured with no risk at backblaze.com slash story. They set up that link for all Success Story podcast listeners. That is a no risk free trial at backblaze.com slash story. Seriously, back up your stuff. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information. But Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all success story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeletemecom slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story, too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. You know, over 30 or 40 projects in blockchain, we have this strong developer team that we work with. We have tons of experience in the software and um, software development um, space. To put that out there needs to be done and crafted in a way that it's not overbearing. It's just saying, hey, here are the facts. It's not being bragging about, oh, look at us. We've done this, this, and this. Like, hey. We've done this. We've worked in oil and gas. We've worked in, you know, real it's estate. Showed, like all the use stuff. cases and, and really just the social proof behind your, behind your yeah. company. And 
And do you yeah. find it difficult um, in in like a fast moving, more or less unregulated space to differentiate uh, yourself as a company? Um, yes and no. I mean, one, because the nice thing is because we're on the enterprise side, it's not really ha- hammered hard, or I'd say held back by the regulation. Yeah. Because really, you know, you look at corporations like, you know, like I said, we brought up Walmart or you look at JP Morgan and, you know, you look at Bank of America, all these corporations now that are pushing forward these blockchain initiatives. It's like, okay, there's, you know, there's nothing to regulate. They're just finding their value in it. Now it's getting people to see that. Why would they invest all that money in this technology yeah. if they didn't see value in it? You know, here's why you should probably start looking at it. So kind of branding that messaging in an educational way, I think is key and not just, hey, you need, you can do this, this, and this, and it's going to save you this time. The messaging is different. It's not um, functionality and features. It's more like, hey, here's the value. Yeah. So craft messaging or marketing around the value part, you know, I think is, is more important than ever when it comes to blockchain. So that's kind of the strategy we're taking with it. No, that's smart. Um, and I guess you deal with a lot of uh, misconceptions uh, about the technology in your space. And I'm, I'm assuming yes, but uh, yeah. obviously enlighten me. But um, what are some of the, the largest misconceptions that you sort of have to overcome when you when you speak with companies, when you educate them about blockchain and what it is and what it isn't? Yeah, it's it's funny because, you know, I thought it'd be passive, but a lot of people are still like, oh, that's that Bitcoin stuff. And I go, okay, you know, and it's, you know, for the past three years, you're still explaining that, but it's showing, and it's the basic education is the kind of misconception of, do you understand what the value is? Do you understand what's going on? I tell people, look at blockchain on a global level, not just where you're living in the US or Canada, look at what people around the globe are doing with it. And I throw out, you know, why is Dubai moving their entire infrastructure to it by 2021? I said, that's a huge step and that's a major investment. So when you think about it, when you do the research, I say, why would they do that? Why would they go ahead and do that? And why are these other countries like China and Estonia who would put it already in place years ago? Why would they go ahead and take this technology that's innovative and be the first ones out there? So the thing is, it's really saying, hey, if you're going to be late to market, you're really setting yourself up to failure. You're going to miss that train before it leaves. And it's not to say because they're so ingrained in how they know, know to do know to do things now, yeah, it's hard to get out of thinking that, and that's the challenge right there, the misconceptions. And and when you so that's like the biggest challenge that you're facing as as a company right now. That's it, this people just aren't thinking bigger, broader, global, basically. Yeah. And for the people that do come to us, they know about it. It's not it's, it's a no brainer. It's not even a conversation. As long as we know that the product they have and they've done their research, saying, hey, here's why we want to use blockchain. We want to fractionalize the royalties on oil and gas in this well. Okay, let's help you set that up to do it in a way. Or you're setting up a real estate investment trust. Okay, we want to be able to fractionalize this in a way but cut off third-party vendors. Okay, and you know exactly why you want to use blockchain. Yeah, It's the ones that, if they come to you and they're like, oh, we want blockchain, you go, why? You're like, well, you know, we heard, we heard it can help us with this. Yeah, it can, but what else? Do you know what's going to be? And that's where it's the challenge. It's for us, it's not necessarily going to find those customers. We want to put it out there for the yeah. ones that are ready, the ones we want to talk to, not proactive, not convince them, or I say change their mindset. Yeah, like you don't have to. Too- you don't want to. You don't want to persuade people that aren't aren't already somewhat on board. You kind of have to like qualify yeah. those out because that's going to be a, a heavy lift. But uh, the people that are already looking forward and, and in the right direction, those are the ones that you can sort of bring over and and sort of point in the right direction, so to speak. But you also mentioned Absolutely. something. Um, that's very cool that you mentioned consortiums, which a traditional like a traditional business development strategy would be a channel or a value added reseller. It, explain for people listening what a consortium is, because if I I don't even completely know what it is, but I think that it's yeah. kind of like like a reseller channel or or a partner channel or a partner network. How do you build those out? Like, where do you find these people and what value do they bring? Is it sales? Is it marketing? Is it software development? Is it just like, uh, you know, you're sharing customers information? I don't know how that works. So explain that one. Yeah, I mean, when you look at consortiums, it's really, it's a business, it's a new business model that really blockchain has brought on. And I remember the first time I heard it, an executive from IBM was speaking at a conference and I was still new to blockchain. He goes, you know, blockchain's a team sport. And I kind of laughed. He goes, it's the only technology you're seeing competitors team up to tackle how to use this technology with putting new processes in in their vertical 
So you look at supply chains. So there's um, Blockchain Transportation Alliance has all these supply chain companies apart. You have Walmart, you have Home Depot, you have all these organizations that are, what they're doing is they're coming together, sitting in a room and saying, hey, we're all looking to leverage this technology in our space. And they might, I mean, they might even like each other, but they're saying, we know if we can come together on what the standards are going to be with this technology for us, then we can all leverage it in a way that is a standard across the industry. Mm-hmm. And it's happening in banks. So banks have been doing it for, for the past few years as well, where they're trying to figure out what's the best standards to leverage blockchain technology in the banking industry. So when companies are looking to be a part of consortium, looks at people or even competitors in your market and saying, hey, because what you do is you can share the cost of the research and building it, mm-hmm. of being a part of technology-free space, but also you're sharing your knowledge. You're sharing these, you know, all the smart people from one company to another getting together and, hey, you know, we know you have the same challenges we do. We're not going to share our secret sauce, but we all have the same problem. So now I, we have blockchain. So I was thinking, so, I was actually, I think I actually... I think I misunderstood. So I was thinking that a consortium was more of like a, like a channel partner network for your business, like building at your business. But you're saying it's more like a think tank of just all these huge enterprise companies that share. Re- that's very cool because I don't I don't I don't know of any other industry or, or technology where that would be a thing. Exactly. A lot of it's proprietary. A lot of it's it's built internal to the company. Yeah, you have open source development communities, but generally, um, if somebody's building a, like a piece of proprietary tech for the company, uh, that stuff yeah. is is licensed and it's not it's not you know shared and the, the secret sauce or or the you know yeah. the source code isn't something that you just put out there and hope people contribute to. So this is something that that, that all these enter- you name some not small names that are yeah. you know sitting in the same room and doing this, and that's how they and with that consortium then involve a specialist or do you think they would they would have their own experts in-house amongst this think tank that would be building out this tech for whatever industry usually they're bringing their own people internally in there so you look at um hyperledger platform and it's part of the linux foundation and that's kind of what i think the disorders really started coming into play because part of hyperledger you have oracle you have sap you have microsoft you have all these banks, IBM is a part of them. So whenever have you seen these major players, these corporations that are out there competing with each other, all want to work on the same technology together. Yeah. Because they know that one, when you get into blockchain, there will not be one blockchain platform to rule them all. And once you grasp that and you know that, to then that's what it makes sense to you. Hey, we're not, you know, we're gonna keep up, we're gonna add to the value of this and this open source community, sharing this data. Because as it scales, we can all contribute to it. It's scaling faster, which is going to help all of our customers. So how do you tie in? Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no. And, then, and then tie into even other platforms. But this is the nice thing about it, because when you start seeing that, and other co- companies see that, it's like, hey, if the major players can team up around a technology, then I can reach out to a competitor in my industry going, hey, where, you know, we might have compete, but if you're in blockchain, I am. Let's do a consortium and let's see how we can set some standards that work for both of us. But how do you now that's that's really cool for those companies, those massive yeah. enterprise companies. But what about you as like the the small little development firm? How do you compete when companies are okay with doing that? Because that that's really that could be your customer. You could be selling to any of these these people. So how do you how do you stay relevant? It's it's you stay relevant right now because the experience in the space is so small that you need a, whether it's Oracle, whatever, and everybody has a different way they're going to market with it. Yeah. So Oracle is really focused on smart contracts, um, you know, and they really have a good idea of going to market with how that works for them, getting their customers up to speed on it very quickly. Other people are doing it in different ways. You know, Walmart's with supply chain. Their team are even not just Hyperledger, they're doing different blockchains. When does that ever happen? Whether, okay, we want to partner with another tech company here, and this is all different blockchain platforms. So they're saying, hey, we can help in any other way. So it's easy to say, now you know these business models that used to be one way can go any direction you want. And if you can grasp that, it makes it easier to have other customers out there saying, hey, I don't want to work work on this. I'd like to work with a smaller company like you that's going to help me get up to speed and understand it. Mm -hmm. Because they might say, hey, let's just get you up on our platform. We've got blockchain up and running. You're fine. That's it. I was like, hey, I need to understand how I'm going to leverage this in a business capacity that as I scale, I understand that one, I need to stay educated on it. Two, I might need to change my platform. And if they're not set up in a way 
then you're looking at like every other technology of, okay, just install the next version, but really not taking advantage of it. So it's evolving how people are seeing it. And people that are new to it are either going to, hey, they're going to go with the, the standard of, I'll go with the big company, like, hey, nobody gets fired for hiring Oracle. Okay, I'll go with them. Yeah. <laughs> or I say, hey, what? These guys are really helping me get up to speed and make me feel comfortable that I'm making the right decision. I want to work with them because they're providing more value than just installing blockchain. They're really giving me education and preparedness that even if I'm not working with them, I know what I need to stay on top of. And if I don't, then I can reach out to them. Yeah. And then even if they're hiring people, you know, because people are out there saying, hey, hire me an expert. We'll say, let us qualify them for you. If they really know what they're talking about, then hey, hire them. If not, we'll let you know. So providing that as a value as well. There's, there's, uh, yeah, there's a huge education under underpinning into your into your strategy that's that's really where that, that i think that's what really differentiates you because there's so many there's so many things that you bring to the table that are outside of just again we, we already sort of is a little bit redundant but just like implementing the tech um no that's that's really cool man that's like for me for me that's that's really what i wanted to dive into because building out a, an emerging tech business i'm sure is not easy um, but that's really what I wanted to to sort of pull out is just like the the doubling down on the education and and the learning and just sort of the teaching aspect of of how to do this properly. Um, is there anything yeah. that I didn't that I didn't cover that that you'd like to bring up or that you think? Uh... Um, no, I mean, like I said, I mean, the founder Mark Marcus Allen really because of his thirty years of experience in the software industry and tech and development, you know, he's a big component of. Let's help you educate you on everything we're doing for you. And even if it's outside of what we're doing, he's, I love the way his approach is of going always after, hey, do you know about this? Have you guys thought about that? Have you thought about this? It's not saying, hey, let's sign the SOW and we'll just do this work. Yeah. You know, he challenges. Yeah. yeah. And there's, for us, that's always the value. We're always looking for how are we providing more value than what they're asking for us? How are we giving even, whether it's social good, whether it's just building that strong relationship, because you build the right relationships, it turns into better relationships of more opportunity, more business, and then better relationships. Because then you have a credible name of people like, hey, you're more about just a project than just, oh, let's sign this or, hey, let's extend it, uh, a new change order because we want to extend our business. It's like you really thought about, here's my problem, but here's other things that we could be focused on that we weren't thinking about. And if we can do that, I think there's more value in that. I think if I think that's a practice uh, industry agnostic, if somebody's under promising and over delivering, that's something that any, yeah. any company can take away. And that's a good, good best practice to, to keep top of mind. Um, so just to wrap this up, uh, where, where, you know, you've obviously grown in, in your career. Um, where do you go to, to learn? Do you have mentors? Do you have uh, books that you like to uh, resources? Like what, what's your go-to for sort of, your personal professional growth? For me, I found over the years, it's, you know, kind of taking my own courses of either research on my own. And that's kind of what I love about blockchain because you always had to do research on it. You always had to be being prepared and understand what's going on. And it's helped me even when I look out to learn from things of taking a, an online course about something that I'm not familiar with. You know, I remember I wasn't up to, I wasn't up to speed on AI machine learning. I went and took like an EDX course on that, which was great. Okay, so I'm not going to be the tech guy installing it. But let me do this so I am knowledgeable. And that constant growing of education starts to become a pattern as you start going through your career and your growth of, hey, I can't just be complacent with what I know. I can't think that what I, what's got me here successfully is not going to keep me here. Mm-hmm. So how do I go about, you know, I have a conversation with someone like, hey, do you know about that? I'm like, no. And I write it down. I go, let me go research that. Yeah. Or you see at a conference, you see something, a news flash comes up and I'm like, I haven't heard of that. Let me go look that up. And you go, Wow all right, I, I need to look into this. And we're a big component of, at our company of, hey, if we don't know about it, let's go figure it out, let's go learn it. And it's not to say, oh yeah, we know about it. It's more lines of, hey, we'll get up to speed on that and let's be get comfortable so we know that we're not just saying, hey, we're experts on this and this and we don't have to move any further because you know technology is moving faster and faster. Another year from now, we're gonna hear something going, okay, I need to keep an eye on that. Let me start getting up to speed on that. And it's, constantly kind of got to be in the forefront of just learning and be growing, yeah yeah tangible information with people they have to feel and know that you know what you're talking about and it's not just buzzwords of blockchain and hash times and this it's more in the lines of what are you thinking about when you get into this are you thought about these things like you're looking into this 
then they feel like, okay, you are an SME. You do know this space. You give me things that I wasn't thinking about or something that somebody else told me that wasn't true. Now I understand why it fits. Yeah. So for us, it's if we're not doing those things, then we're not helping anybody really. Um, and, and last question, um, I always like asking this. If you could tell your 20-year-old self one thing, um, though, yeah, what, what, would, what would it be? Oh, man. When I read that question, you said to me, I had, I had to think about it. And I was like, wow, 20 years ago, what was I thinking about? And it's a good self-awareness, back, introspective question. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And when, when you're 20 years ago, you're thinking, oh, I, I've got to figure it out. I have this idea, and I'll do this. And I would tell myself that, the biggest thing that I need to know in the next 20 years is patience and understanding that there's going to be a lot of turns and twists and upside downness and times where you want to give up, but it's the patience that you grow the most at and the relationships that you build along the way. Because I look back at those 20 years going, wow, yeah, I thought that was going to be the worst time. And I'm like, look at what I learned from these experiences that have gotten me here. And to look back on it going, Hey, now I know like a blockchain, it's like patience is the most important thing, especially even with startups and entrepreneurs. The hardest thing is patience because you want that. Okay, it's a great idea and I want it to go and I want it to go. You're like, yeah, it could, but there's so much more that comes with it. Yeah. And if you're patient, you can make the right relationship where that person goes, you were thinking this, but if you go this route, you'll be more successful. And you go, okay. And it's understanding that, hmm. I'm glad I was patient and just rushing in, yeah. going, yep, I'm going to all in on this thing. Here's my idea. I'm moving forward. Now it's like, take a step back. Is it the right way? Should I get more feedback? Okay. So for me, I look back and, and I was very, I'm very impatient. So I am too. <laughs> but I think that, I think that um, I agree with you. I think that's a really strong, that's a strong point. I think that a lot of people rush, especially first time entrepreneurs um, and yeah. people, people that are so, people that love new tech are probably the ones that are the least impatient, but should be the most patient so that when they try and do something, they do it right. You know? So, but, um, okay. So, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no. Yeah. I mean, you make a good point. People in tech is the most, the ones that need the most patient because we want to work now. So, (laughs) um, if people want to get in touch with you, find you, uh, can they, and where can they go? Sure. You can either shoot me an email at john at goorion.com or you can find me on LinkedIn at John Riley the third. Um, or you can give me a call if you want. So it's 774-267-1165. I live in West Palm Beach, Florida. So if you call usually in the afternoon, I might be at the beach working. <laughs> so you're either way. Um, <laughs> but no, but that's the easiest way to get in touch with me. And, and for me, I love building new relationships. It's cool. not always have to be about a business opportunity. If someone says, hey, you provided something that was helpful, and I'm like, hey, that's great. You know, let's talk. For me, I love that kind of even more sometimes. It's just, okay, what do you need for business? Yeah. Because then you're kind of really building something that's different. Yeah, I think that uh, I think the best way to build even a long-term business relationship is to make that relationship before you need the person. And then yes. I think that and then it's authentic, it's genuine. And then if there is a business opportunity in the future, just so be. Awesome, man. So that's all I have for today. Thanks again so much, John, for joining us. Uh, For everybody listening or watching to the Sales versus Marketing podcast, uh, if you want more of John or if you want to listen to more episodes of the Sales versus Marketing podcast, you can watch this podcast on YouTube, YouTube slash C slash ROI Overload. Or you can listen and download this podcast wherever podcasts are found, uh, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, Acast, uh, or Google to name a few. You can also go to pod.co slash sales dash verse dash marketing to listen to all episodes, stream all episodes, and download all episodes. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Sales versus Marketing podcast. I'm your host, Scott. Hope everybody has a great, productive, and exciting week and look forward to speaking to you next time. Cheers. Bye. So this is my favorite part of the podcast, Scott's Thoughts, where I dissect what we just spoke about and really give you an idea of why this matters and why it's important for you in your business, in your career journey. So John was speaking about a ton of very interesting topics and some of the listeners 
who haven't been so involved in the emerging tech scene, I apologize because some of the stuff that he discussed was very technical, um, but it is still relevant to any industry. So I would suggest if you are listening to this podcast and you're a fan of being successful and, and growing, obviously we all are, I would suggest going out and learning about new technologies. And you don't have to go as far down the rabbit hole as John did, uh, transitioning his entire career to work in an emerging tech space. But I think that being aware of the things and trends that are going to be impacting business, uh, so not only blockchain, um, but obviously artificial intelligence, robotics, uh, machine learning, uh, and big data, These are all things that are going to have monumental impacts on how we do business. And if you are a business owner, a business leader, or an employee, uh, some of these things will touch and impact your career uh, if you're still active in the next, you know, two, three, four, five years, and most definitely will be impacting you if you're still uh, involved and working in any capacity in the next 10 years. So I would suggest that you go and do at least a little bit of uh, self-education, self-teaching, and have a cursory knowledge of some of these, uh, some of these technologies. Now, I want to discuss two industry-agnostic things that John brought up. Um, I think I think I'm going to touch on two. The first one was uh, the massive importance of transitioning a feature and benefit marketing strategy to an education, an educational marketing strategy where you are educating, you are teaching the customers, you are challenging the customers. Even as he mentioned, customers were coming to him and he was turning down customers because they weren't ready for what service and product he had. So it really is an education effort. Um, enabling them to not only uh, not only onboard and implement the the product that you're selling, but to do it properly by educating them how it can impact their business, helping them understand how the product can impact their business in more ways than they originally suspected. So that's that's extremely smart. And what I liked about John's approach is not only did he include educational material in the marketing, he included educational material. Uh, through the customer success process and onboarding of the product. So you're putting out educational topics and you're you're educating your target clientele, your target market on the benefits and the nuances of the industry and the product that you're selling. But then after the fact, you're also uh, you're also educating your market on how this product will will actually and effectively impact your business after the after you sold it after they've implemented it uh so much more of a a a a consultative approach to to selling uh tied into education which is what's made uh himself and his company orion very successful and the second piece of advice that i took away and something that i've heard from various business leaders that we've interviewed on this podcast is the number one thing that he would tell himself if he could go back in time and and dis, and to his 20-year-old self and talk about what was the most important thing that he's learned over the course of his career, and that was patience. Um, and he's saying that from, uh, from an emerging tech field. So he's saying it in the fastest moving of industries. He's saying that patience is still paramount. It still has a massive impact on his success. And if you are patient in your career, uh, while still progressing and learning and educating, uh, the end result will be much better. You'll have come much farther. Uh, so obviously, now that we've heard it repeatedly, uh, and it's the message that we've heard from very, several senior business leaders, if you are young in your career, don't rush things. Don't be stagnant, but don't rush because there's so much time. And I think that it's a, the concept of time is very much lost on a younger generation. Uh, so keep in mind that you are in this for the long run. You have a lot to learn. You don't know what you don't know. And as you grow, if you are patient and you're willing to learn, that's how you will be the most successful. So again, big thanks to John for all the great content and the discussion about uh, a very interesting emerging tech space. I hope you all got some insight from it. As always, uh, if you haven't already hit like, 
uh, hit subscribe. You can leave any rating you want as long as it's a five-star rating um, and share this with your friends, your family, your coworkers, your peers. Always leave some feedback and always leave some comments wherever you're watching or, or consuming this podcast. I'd love to know what you thought about it. I'd love to know what you thought about the people we bring on. And I'd love to know any sort of topics or questions that I should bring up on the podcast. And I can definitely address those. Uh, so that's all for me today. It's your host, Scott, here. Look forward to speaking to you next time. Cheers. Have a great week. Bye now. Thanks for listening to the Sales vs. Marketing Podcast, brought to you by ROI Overload, delivering strategy, technology, and insights to both sales and marketing leaders and teams globally. want to take a second and thank Indeed. They're a huge sponsor of the Success Story podcast. And as business leaders, we're all driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. It's to match with Indeed. Now, if you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. You need to ditch the busy work. You need to use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster, all the tools you need are in one spot. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent, fast and listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash clary just go to indeed.com slash clary right now and support our show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash clary terms and conditions apply if you need to hire you need indeed this episode is brought to you by netsuite now as a business owner i always remember when my company hits a growth spurt it's great but then you realize that things start to break things are taking three times as long. Manual processes start to bury your team in paperwork and admin, and you really don't have one reliable source of data or truth to understand how healthy your business is. If this sounds familiar, you have to know three numbers. 37,000, that's how many businesses have upgraded to NetSuite, the number one cloud financial system. 25, NetSuite turns 25 this year, that's 25 years streamlining accounting, inventory, HR, and more for growing companies and one, because your business truly is one of a kind, NetSuite gives you customized solutions so you can manage everything about your business in one place, from inventory to invoicing, one powerfully efficient system. I love having all of my data in one spot. NetSuite allows me to do that. It gives me the big picture so I can make smarter decisions, and they turn complex financials into understandable actionable insights. Right now, you can get NetSuite's popular KPI checklist for free to help improve your business. It's designed to help you boost performance across key areas of your business. Go to netsuite.com slash Clary to download the checklist and see how one complete system can transform your growth. That's netsuite.com slash Clary. Get more control in your business with NetSuite. Just a quick question. Have you ever had one of those oh no moments when you realize that you accidentally deleted a huge file or worse, your whole computer dies? I know I have. It's happened to me a lot, but don't sweat it. The sponsor of today's episode, Backblaze, they have your back. It is unlimited backups for all your Macs, your PCs, or even your whole company. And it's really affordable, under a hundred bucks a year. If you're running a business, they take the stress out of protecting everyone's data. If you need more bells and whistles for compliance, so on and so forth, they have enterprise options too. Honestly, losing data sucks, but Backblaze makes getting it back easy. They have restored billions of files. They offer tons of restore options, including rapid recovery in an event of data loss or ransomware. And you can access your backed up data from everywhere and anywhere in the world using their web app, iOS, or Android apps. It's been recommended by the New York Times, Inc., Macworld, PC World, LifeWire, Wired, Tom's Guide, 9to5Mac, and tons more. And best, you can try it fully featured with no risk at backblaze.com story. 
they set up that link for all success story podcast listeners that is a no risk free trial at backblaze.com slash story seriously back up your stuff i don't know about you but the idea of being harassed scammed or even worse all because somebody found my personal information online that's terrifying our political opinions our addresses even stuff about our families it's out there for anyone to grab and did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98 percent of americans it's scary stuff that's why i've partnered with delete me i personally use delete me they're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information. But Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all success story podcast listeners get 20% off your delete me plan when you go to join deleteme.com slash success and use promo code success at checkout the only way to get 20% off is to go to join deleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout j-o-i-n-d-e-l-e-t-e-m-e.com slash success Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. 